In this episode of the Unfolded Soul Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast, I learned once again, dysfunction doesn't disappear because you're trying to wish it away or avoid it away or turn your attention elsewhere. Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored, putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Bless His Heart. The name, Ken Williams. I've got a grade level team that is a fucking mess. I've known it for most of the year, and admittedly, I need to put more time and energy into it. However, I truly believe that there are a couple of teachers there who need to go. I visited classrooms in the afternoon to find four of the five classrooms showing a movie. Not not a movie clip, but a movie. Some class version of Narnia. Anyway... I'm huge on kids knowing what they're learning, you know, beginning with the end in mind, and have a practice of asking students what they're learning. And lo and behold, not one of the seven students I interviewed could tell me why they were watching the movie. On top of that, I found a total of 10 students, in fact, asleep in the four classes. I met with the teachers at 8.45 on Monday morning and put all that shit to rest. No more bullshit videos, wasting time and energy. All right, let's get to it. Man, I read that entry and... It just, uh, it it rings the bell for a recurring theme in my life, and I bet it's a recurring theme in your life, and that is the shit we don't want to do most isn't going anywhere, even when we ignore it. It just isn't. And, you know, I'm, I'm self-employed these days. I am the best boss in the world. I'm also the worst boss in the world. No one can bullshit you like you, and I live it every day. And ironically, lately, I've been really redoubling my effort to get to those things I like doing least first, because they're not they're not going anywhere, and they have to get done. And so, when I think back to time I was a principal and having made this visit you know you notice in the journal entry I said you know I've known this for a while I gotta put more time and energy into it and listen this wasn't a you know I'm afraid to confront issues I wasn't avoiding conflict I was just avoiding the shit I didn't want to do I mean I don't know if you have these classrooms or staff members that just, you just feel like you die a little bit every time you go visit it. I mean, it's stuff there you cannot avoid. You've got to get to it. But you almost have to brace yourself before walking in. And I think it's just human nature to want to avoid that sometimes. And I know I was doing that then. And again, it was it was just more about the the soul-draining aspect of it all rather than a choice to avoid conflict. Because I've gotten to a point in my leadership where 
I knew how to confront. I didn't have a problem confronting. I just didn't want to deal with it. You know, I had, and the, the seduction of a situation like this, especially at a school like mine, if you're at that school, is there are probably 5,000 other issues that deserve your attention as well, right? So the, the first lesson to take from this is, you know, mold is mold. Mold isn't going anywhere, right? You can try to paint over it if you want, but it's gonna come back through that paint eventually. Um, you could try some, you know, some low level uh, disinfectant or cleaner, but mold requires more than <clears throat> your typical uh, Windex or 409 spray on it. It's gonna come back. It's not going anywhere. And so the first lesson is we got to deal with what we got to deal with, the most important stuff, the most impactful issues at our school or on our team. And that leads to the second big lesson. And this one, you know, this one I want to hit you right between the eyes. And that is, you know, when we avoid the things, you know, these days in my work, I call them the big three. Like, what are the big three things that are going give, to give me the most satisfaction when I climb into bed tonight. And typically it's stuff I don't wanna do. Like I don't wanna work out and I don't wanna write. So those are the two big ones like right off the top. But I know I'm gonna feel better that evening if I've made progress on my book manuscript and if I did at least 30 minutes of something uh, in the service of my health. And so when I think about that and this journal entry, you know, dealing with that grade level was just one of those things that I just kind of left hanging while I tended to other important issues. And that's the second lesson, the seduction of activity, All right? So, you know, I'm leading that school. You know, our school is the lowest performing school in the district, the lowest performing district in the greater Atlanta area. There are plenty of issues to deal with, but I'm telling you, this grade level issue, this specific grade level issue was, it had neon lights on it but I sold myself a bill of goods saying that there are a bunch of things with neon lights on it. And so I was busy. I wasn't hiding. I, you know, I, I wasn't checked out as a leader. I was exhausted at the end of the day, but I got to sell myself some BS that I worked on the most important stuff. But deep down, I know I didn't. I dealt with other important issues but this grade level issue was a very important issue. And I, for a while, used activity to sell myself that I was still doing the right work and working hard. And so we gotta be careful with that. I see that a lot happening in schools today. I really do, where we're not getting close to the results that are commensurate with our efforts and we end up celebrating and recognizing activity for activity's sake to make ourselves feel better. And it's a way to run from accountability and it's not healthy. Um, the more we run from accountability, the more we uh, stop looking in the mirror for solutions, we start looking outside the mirror for solutions, it's not healthy. And I'm gonna do some videos on this and a podcast eventually, but that's how I was behaving back then. You know, this is, I believe that journal entry is from January. 
And it didn't take long to find out that that team was super dysfunctional. But again, I strategically avoided it by keeping myself busy with other important issues. The last lesson I want you to take from this is the idea that students should begin each lesson, each day, each class with the with clarity of, about the end in mind. I think we take for granted that because students are in our classrooms 180 days a year and they're there by law that, you know, perhaps we don't have an obligation to make clear the learning objectives for the day. But I always parallel student life to adult life, right? And when I do professional development with adults, whether it's in a conference setting or on-site customized PD, I'm telling you right now, adults want to begin with the end in mind. They want those first few slides after you talk about who you are, where you're from, and pictures of your family. They want to know what we here for today. Why are we here? Uh, when does it start? When does it end? What are the outcomes? When's lunch? How many breaks are we going to have? They want to know all those things up front. And students, all learners, deserve the same thing. And it's not even so much a right, but we learn better when our, our thinking is activated by the objectives for the day. And so this is, I wish I could find a copy of this thing, um, but I've looked all over for it and can't find it. First of all, it's an NCR form, which I know some of you have already stopped the podcast to Google NCR forms. It's a, it's a duplicate form, right? The top copy is white. The second copy is yellow and you write on it for you super young people. You have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, but the NCR form I used to use when I went to classrooms for just informal stop-bys was a half sheet. And on it were a few questions. So the first question was, what are you learning today? And then there were a couple of lines beneath that question. What are you learning today? Uh, wait a minute. What are you learning today? Are you good at it? How do you know you're good at it? So there were three questions. What are you learning today? Are you good at it? How do you know you're good at it? And I had a couple lines under each of those questions. And what I do is I kind of squat down beside a student's desk or pull up to a table where a student was and I ask those questions. And whatever, however they answer the question, <clears throat> excuse me, however they answer the question, I would write it down verbatim whatever they said, verbatim. And I would leave the top copy on the teacher's desk as I walked out. And of course, I think the bottom copy with me. And I will tell you, I had the best, first of all, if, if what the student said was not aligned with the objectives posted on the board, I never had to worry about scheduling a time with that teacher. That teacher was super proactive and wanted to meet ASAP to talk about why and then when you gonna bring yourself back to see better. Every single time. I had better discussions and provided better feedback and learned more about teachers through that simple, simple, informal walkthrough form than on any formal observation where we're rating and blah, blah, blah. 
And this was nothing major. Again, I just wrote down verbatim. All right, I just had an epiphany. I had the wrong questions. Here they are. What are you learning today? Why is it important? Are you good at it? And how do you know you're good at it? And I just wrote down the answers. Whatever they said, that's what I wrote down for those questions. So as a rundown hill on these reflections, again, the three things I want you to take away from it are, one, uh, sticking your head in the sand doesn't make the problems go away. Two, frenzied activity does not take the place of prioritizing what's most important. And three, students should begin with the end in mind. On the next episode of the Unfolded Soul Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast, I had one of those mornings that was just so awesome that in the midst of leading a school in chaos, this is the kind of morning that brings you coming back for more. Thanks for listening this week. Be sure to tune in next week to this buttery baritone who has one last reminder for you. Always remember when you wake up on the right side of dirt, you playing with house money baby you playing with house money you've been listening to the unfold the soul bless his heart podcast with ken williams for more information about ken visit unfoldthesoul.com